0: The Sunday we talked about in the book of Joshua, where Joshua challenged the nation of Israel to choose you this day whom you will serve. The nation of Israel was called by God, really, the nation of Israel was called to be the evangelistic tool for God to the world as they were God's chosen people. But you know what happened, They, they, with sin and all the things that happened, got away from that and God had to deal with them and that they as a people eventually have turned away from God to the point that God has now chosen to use another means by which he will now reach the world and let the world know that there is a God that rules heaven and earth. The agent by which he now uses is through uh, the church and through regeneration or rebirth of those who make up the church. So two weeks ago we talked about choose you this day. Who you will serve. And Joshua said, hey, I want to let you know something. All that we've been through, you know about Joshua and Caleb, all the people that left out of Egypt, the whole nation and those that even weren't part of the nation, out of all those millions of people, only two were actually able to get to the promised land. That was Joshua and Caleb. They kept their faith and trust in God, and they were the only two that actually got to be in the promised land. But Joshua says when he was dealing with his people, dealing with the nation of Israel, he was their leader, he said, I will let you know something. You, we, you have to make a decision on who you will serve. Are you going to serve the gods and the idols that are around us, all these false gods, and and tie you to all these other things that surround us? Or will you and I decide to stick with whom we know in the God that brought us out of Egypt? And he said, what I will tell you for me, I can't speak for you, But I will tell you for me, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And that same admonition, that same uh, challenge needs to be put out to those of us who are here today. You have to decide. I can't decide for you. Nobody else can decide. You as an individual and you as a family have to decide who you will serve. Will you serve all these things that are around us and surrounds us and your own self and whatever else is out there? Or will you say, you know what, I'm going to make it my mind that I will serve the Lord. And I'm going to say it for me, and I'm going to speak for my house,
1: because it's my house.
0: As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Then last week we talked about God's goodness, God's greatness, how God has blessed us, how God has washed over us. And how God has brought us through a lot of different things. And how any one of us in here today could give the testimony that, you know what? I've had situations in my life, and the only reason why I know I came out of it, or I've survived it, or was able to get through it, is because God's gracious hand was on me. I will lift up my voice to God. Why? Not because I want to be loud, but I lift up my voice because when I look at what he's done for me, I cannot but help but praise him. get here by myself. I didn't, I didn't drive. Yeah, I drove from my house to this house, but let me tell you something. That little short distance, well, however long it might be, a lot can happen to you in that short distance. You went to bed last night believing that you were going to get up this morning, but I will assure you and tell you this. Somebody went to bed last night and did not get up this morning. They thought they were. They went to bed believing they were, but they didn't, and you and I have. And this is the first day of the new week. And if you come to church for no other reason than just to show up and say, well, you know, I got my time in, and ain't nobody going to say nothing to me because I showed up. That's the wrong reason to come. I hope you can because you said, you know what? God's been good to me from last Sunday to this Sunday. And because he's blessed me from last week to this week, you know what? The least I can do is come to his house and raise a hand or say amen or do something because, God, you've been too good to me. I did not deserve all that happened, but in spite of my not deserving it, you have blessed me above and beyond. And the psalmist talks about how great God is. He formed the mountains. I mean, when I go out at night sometimes and I look into the sky a couple of days ago, it was crystal clear. It was cold, but it was crystal clear. And I just said, wow, God. I'm looking up going, man, look at that. The vastness of this universe. And then the, the scripture comes to my mind. that says, every single star you know. There's a lot of stars out there. There are stars we can't even see with our own naked eyes. So when they use telescopes or they go up in outer space and they show all these other galaxies and stuff, you just go, but God, each one of them you know. When it snows, you know each snowflake is individually different. Wow. And the fact that you know me. Man, of all the millions of billions of people in the world, guess what? God knows me. Why does he know me? I mean he knows everybody, but he knows me especially because I'm his child. And what good father does not know his children? And all I gotta do is say, Daddy! And of all the other people are saying daddy at the same time, he says, Well, wait a minute. Sheila's calling, Penny's calling, Mariana's calling, ours calling, but Byron's got me on the line now too. And he ain't got you on call waiting or call forwarding. You know, pre- press press one if you want me to, press two if you want this, and if you want us to call, we're so busy right now that if you want us to call you back, give us your number, and in about five to ten minutes, we'll call you back. You ain't got to worry about that with God. He will answer your call every single time you call on him. Amen. Yeah. Well, he's a great God. That's why I get mad at myself and I get mad at us because how can we not serve this great God better than what we're doing? Let's just be honest with ourselves. Some of us, all of us, I'll just put, we, we, from here to the pulpit to the back of the door, we are half stepping with God. How can we do that? Man. I can't speak for you, but I can speak for me. I just go, God, I don't deserve your grace. I don't deserve your mercy. I don't deserve deserve your love. But you do. And I'm so thankful that you love me. Amen? Jesus loves me. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. And the greatest love chapter that God ever gave to us was the fact that he so loved us that he gave his only one of a kind monogonase, no other kind like him, his son, Jesus Christ. Amen? And because he died for me and because one day I said, you know what, yes, I'm born in sin and shaped in iniquity and I need a savior. I can't save myself. But I need a savior because I recognize I'm a messed up person. Amen. I'm messed up, and what I deserve, if as as an unsaved person, if you're here today, you're unsaved. As an unsaved person, what you rightly deserve from God is death, grave, and hell. That's what you deserve. Every person that's not saved, that's what they're going to get. They're going to die. They're going to be buried. And then they're going to find themselves in hell. That's what God, in his righteous judgment, will give to all those who don't believe in him. But, oh, thanks be to God. Yeah, that's what I deserve, but that's not what he's going to give me. Why? Because one day I said, I need you. He sent his son, when he was on that cross. And a few weeks we'll celebrate Resurrection Sunday, Easter Sunday, whatever you want to call it. He sent his son to that cross because in his mind he saw me. And in his mind, he saw you. He had to go to the cross. Because, he said, I, I'm dying for Byron. If I don't die, and if I don't get up out of the grave and rise again, if I don't do that and go back to my father, Byron and everybody like him is without hope. Amen? That's why the songwriter could say, my hope is built on nothing less. Then what? Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame. But wholly lean on Jesus' name. That's what I have to lean on. Amen. This thing is solid. This is not gonna go anywhere. I gotta put a whole lot of, I gotta put a whole lot of my weight to go now. This little thing over here, it wobbles. Look at that. There's God. There's this is me. If I try to lean on me, it ain't going to take much for me to fall. But if I lean on God, put my, put my full weight on God, guess what? He ain't going nowhere. Amen? Look at all this space. A lot of the preachers come here and say, I like that rostrum because I got enough to put my Bible, my notes, all this other stuff. No, that little thing right there I ain't got a whole lot of room over there. But, oh, I could stand here and, ah! Be solid, amen. Which leads me to what I want to talk about today. If we choose this day whom we will serve, if we know how great God is, then today we need to understand we need to be reconciled not just me and God, but all of us need to be reconciled to God, and we need to be reconciled to one another. Now, I'm gonna take part of it today. I gotta to come back. Too much information. You know, too much information overload. If you get too much, you you know, you just you don't remember anything. But you'll remember this part right here. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and I really want to focus on verse 17. He says, therefore, and anytime you see a therefore, you need to ask the question, What's this there for? So you gotta go back up. In the previous chapter, up upwards, and read all that to find out why Paul's saying this. Amen? So, if you go backwards, and I'm not going to take the time to do that today, you can go uh, read that for yourself. But one of the things, if you've got ESV and some other Bibles, I'll show you, he talks about our dwelling, about heaven, and, and how God is, what all that God has done. And he says, In light and spite and all that that God did, therefore, if you know all this, therefore, if any man, or any one is in Christ, he is a new creation. Amen. I'll say amen on that. He's a new creation. Amen, the old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Amen. Old things, therefore. Number 1, you got to be in Christ. Can't be in anything else but in Christ. And what does that phrase in Christ mean? It means The believer's spiritual relationship to Christ. In Christ is the believer's spiritual relationship to him. Again, in Christ is the believer's spiritual relationship to him. To him being Christ. you got to have a relationship with Jesus. Amen? You cannot do the Christian life. You cannot be spiritual. You cannot grow, develop, and be all that you can be and should be without being in Christ. And it's a not physical, not mental, but it's a spiritual component. It's a spiritual relationship to Christ. And guess what? Paul would know about that because why would Paul know? Because Paul knew about what it meant to be in Christ for He was transformed. He switched from being a a persecutor, a prosecutor of the Christians, of Christ, to a proclaimer. He once was prosecuting the church. But now, after he was changed, after he he came in Christ, that's why when you read the letters of Paul, he's always talking about in Christ, in Christ. It's a carrying-on theme of Paul, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ. Why? Because Paul understood, you don't know how bad I was. I once was a prosecutor. I once persecuted the church. I was literally actually killing people who said they believed in Jesus. I was there when they stoned Stephen. In fact, I was probably one of the ones that picked up a stone or said to the crowd, go ahead and do it. That's how messed up I was. But, oh, oh, thanks be to God, I became not a prosecutor, but when my change came. When I was struck down on a Damascus road, when I was made blind and God asked me the question, I had to realize, wait a minute, I need Christ. I need Jesus. And I I switched. I switched from prosecutor to now I proclaim the name of Jesus. Everywhere I go and everything I do, it's all about Jesus. I don't do anything without going to him first. I believe it all. And I wrote, he didn't know that at the time, but he wrote most of the New Testament. And I will tell you, as sure as I'm standing here today, I believe the whole Word of God from, from cover, the old preachers used to say, from kiver to kiver. I believe, and I said it last week, I think, I believe the ass talked, and I believe the axe swam. Balaam's donkey, yes. Pastor, you really believe that a donkey was talking? Yes, I do. You know why? God said he did. Do I believe Elijah's uh, axe that fell in the water actually swam and floated instead of sinking? Yes. Why? God said it did. I believe God created the world in seven 24-hour periods. Not really seven, six, five, six, six. On the seventh day, he rested. Yes. You don't think God billions and trillions of years to do all this. All he had to do was speak. Let there be. And there was confused on my gender identity. Why? Because God said in the beginning he created man and woman. Male and female what? Created he them. Simple. There's males and there's females. in the discussion. And anything else that comes in between that is a sin perpetrated by the devil to get our minds off of God. He did it to Eve. He did it to Adam. And he's doing it to us. So I believe it all. And Paul said, wait a minute. I, I switched. I changed. And I'm going to ask you the question today. Have you switched? Have you changed? Or are you still in the same place you've always been? I ask ask the Lord one of these days, I'm going to preach a message. Pretenders. And then I need, I told you that last week. Those of us who pretend. But then there are those of us who actually have and are doing. I need another word. It goes with pretend. What's the opposite of that? Help me out, Sister Secret. Amen? She's my person that knows how to do all that C-R-O-S-S and, and, and all that stuff. Wisdom. Amen. That's good. But he says, any man be in Christ, here it is. He is new. Therefore, because of all that God has done, he says... Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Simple so question, are you a new creation? Do you know God? Have you been challenged by the Holy Spirit of God? That new creation comes about by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the agent of regeneration. Born again. Amen? That's what it is. A theological term, regeneration. You got to be born again. In John chapter 3, verse 6 through 8, Jesus had a conversation with Nicodemus. Nicodemus was part of the elite of the Jewish nation there, but he must have been searching to know more about Jesus. So, you know how it is you may be looking, but you don't want to let everybody else know you're looking. You know, i got a little prominence in the land here. People know who I am. I can't go to Jesus by daytime, make an appointment to go see him at 9 o'clock or 10 o'clock or 1 o'clock in the afternoon. Everybody seeing me following Jesus and talking to him. They might think something's going on. But, oh, we love the nighttime. Something about being cover of darkness. Man has always loved darkness rather than the light. So Jesus, Nicodemus comes to Jesus by night, and they have a conversation here's what, ultimately, Jesus had to tell Nicodemus. Listen, buddy, you need to be born again. You need to be born from above. And Jesus says in John 3, 6-8, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel. Don't be thrown back. That I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. When the Spirit of God convicts you of sin, you have no other choice but to say yes to Jesus. But I like what he tells them. He just tells them, listen, don't be, don't be amazed. Don't be shocked. You got to be born again. You must be. You got to be born again. No if, no ands, no buts. And if you don't know that for yourself today, that you genuinely have been born again, then you need to know that for yourself. It ain't about knowing the pastor. don't need it. No, my brother, my sister, my mom, my dad, my aunt. No, you need to know that you've been born again. And you know how we are. God's word is pretty simple. Born again. I need to be regenerated. I need to be regened. I need to be changed. Nicodemus is like us. Oh, uh, wait a minute. Are you saying I gotta go a second time into my mother's womb? Now, I'm 61. For me to go back up into my mother's womb was not going to be a pretty thing. In fact, it's impossible. You see how the natural man takes the things of God and messes them up? That's how some people think. They take the simple truths of God's word and twist it like, and I was with some, with some pastor friends of mine, and I, I told them, sometimes when I listen to us, I go, are you serious? Really? That's what you think? I don't get it. But this is Nicodemus. He didn't get it. And Jesus had to tell him, no, 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 no. I'm talking about a spiritual rebirth. Amen? He says, the Holy Spirit of God has to change you from the inside out. Amen. Being a Christian, being saved, being born again is not like being a part of AA. Amen. What do I mean by that? It's not a change, of a modification of your behavior. See, if you have a drinking problem and you're in AA, they want to modify and change the behavior from what you want to drink to now that you don't drink. That's not what being a born again Christian, where God is not interested in changing our behavior. God is interested in changing us from the inside, the core of who we are, from the inside out. Yes, it can affect your behavior, but it's more than just affecting your behavior. It's a solid, generational, regened, retooled, remake, born again, change of mind, change of heart, so that now everything about you is all about God. It's not about uh, coming to church. It's not about coming to Sunday school. It's not about tithing. It's not about all. Those things are great and good. But if you've really been changed, those things come automatically because you've already been changed from the inside out. And I'm a, I would say the reason why we have a hard time with a lot of people is that they have not yet been genuinely changed from the inside out so that we're constantly trying to save those who are supposed to be saved and trying to get those who are supposed to be here and rather than saying it's a natural-born process. You don't have to teach a baby that it needs to eat. It goes to its mother's milk. It's automatic. From birth, if that baby's going to be breastfed, he's... All over the place. Why? It's instinctive. It's who he is. And if you don't breastfeed, just put the bottle in his mouth and th- 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 away they go. Did anybody teach you that? No. He knows he has to eat. And you know, as Christians and I know, as a Christian, and I know as people, there are things we need from God. And what we need from God is the teaching and the training and the preaching and the fellowship of those who are supposed to be like us. A whole lot of amens on that, but it's true. Not because I say it, because that's what the that's what the Bible is. It's a divine birth. Amen. It's being born by God. Romans six, six fourteen. Reads as follows. Paul says, "We know." What do we know? We know that our old self is, was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought, into, brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. You catch what Paul said? We've been crucified. We have died spiritually in our body so that we might be able no longer be enslaved to sin. You don't have to sin. If you sin, it's because you make a conscious choice to do it. Prove it, Pastor. Greater is he that is in you. You have the Spirit of God. You have the Word of God. If you and I go contrary to the Word and the Spirit of God, it's because we in our mind tell God, you know what, I know that's what you say, God, but you know what, I'm going to do this anyway. We We make a volitional, willful decision to do it. Now we got two strikes, we got two strikes. One, our own selfishness, and two, the very sin nature that's already in us. That's why he says we have died. You and I have to make that part our sin nature. We have to die to that. How do we die to that? We say no to the things that our body and our minds and our whatever want to do. Don't eat that nice big piece of apple pie with the cheese on top, or we get it. Nice, hot, and warm, and say, Not only do I want the the big piece of pie, but I want the vanilla ice cream with the vanilla beans and all that other stuff in there so that I can just just eat it all up. Now, do I need it? No, but my mind and my body is craving. I got to have it. Oh, wait a minute. I got to have some potato chips. I got to have, oh, wait a minute. I just ate something sweet. Now I need something salty. Let me get some popcorn. Not just regular popcorn and popcorn, but I need to have the butter and the salt and all that. And not only that, I gotta go out and say, well, you know, a nice cold Pepsi or Coke would go well with this. See how we do it? That's the same way with sin. We got to die. If you're on a diet, you say, I'm going to try to lose ten pounds. I'm going to, st-. in a few weeks. I'd say last year we talked about fasting. People are dying. They die before we even before they even started. <laughs> I can't do it, Pastor. I tried. I can't do it. It's only for, what was it, a week? A week. Some made it five days, three days. Two, some of us didn't make it at all. We said, oh, I can't do it. That's how it is spiritually. You've got to die out to the things that the devil and even your own self says you want to do. Let me give you another, Let me give you another point. You have a job? Anybody here here working, have a job? Are there mornings you wake up and you say to yourself, I don't feel like going. I ain't going today. Now, I know you get days off. I know you get vacations and all that. But suppose you use all your vacation days. You wake up and you say, I'm not going. I'm not going today. I'm not going to even call my boss and tell him I'm not coming. I'm just not going to show up. That's not good. Especially they expect you to be there. But what you do is you say, well, I don't feel like it, but I'm going to go. Because two reasons. You're afraid to get fired, but you're also at the end of the week. You want that bill. Bills that are attached to your C-H-E-C-K. And you've already calculated. Well, I missed one day. This is going to cost me. Ooh, that's not good. I better go today. I can't really afford not to go. Guess what? That's how it is spiritually. You cannot afford not to do the things God wants you to do. You can't wake up and say, God, I feel like doing that today. Nah, I don't feel like doing it. Nah, I don't want to do that. No, I don't want to go there. No, I don't want to. We do it. Don't even think about it. But we do it. In the long run, we really can't afford it. Because what happens? Life comes knocking on our door. And the same God that we said we didn't have time to do whatever we were supposed to do is the very same God now that we called on. Amen. I didn't have time for you Sunday. I didn't have time for you Wednesday. I didn't have time for you at 9 o'clock. I don't have time for you at 10. I don't have time for you at 6.30. I don't have time for you during the morning before I get up to read a little scripture and have a devotion. I don't have time for all that. That's fine. Yeah, go ahead and tell God all that. But then, how do you have the audacity that when something comes... Knocking at your door, the first thing. The first thing. Oh God, have mercy. Oh God, my mama went to the hospital. My daddy, my, my son, my daughter, my this. Oh God, our job, my job might be in, in jeopardy. They talk about laying off. Oh Jesus, please. That's why I don't know how you can sit here and look like we don't care because the same God that we do that to is the same God that blesses us. Oh, he comes by and touches your mother. He touches your wife. He touches your children. He puts you on the list of where you get to stay and not be the ones that are fired. That's how great God is. And Paul says, therefore, if any man be Christ, you need to be new. You gotta have a new way of thinking. You gotta have a new way of approaching these things. And Paul says, we know that our old self has been what? Crucified. Why? For one has died and has been set free from sin. Now we know if we have died with Christ. We believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never rise again. Death no longer has dominion over him. And if it has no dominion over Christ, guess what? If Since I'm in Christ, death now no longer has any dominion, power over me. I don't need to be afraid of death. Don't understand it. I don't want to die, but I, but I don't need to be afraid of it. Why? Because Christ now has dominion over it. And if he has, I have. And I know I have to be because I know if I die today in the next split second, I fall dead in this pulpit, I will be with Jesus. I always think about part of the speech of Martin Luther King Jr. on mountaintop. when we talk about he's been to the mountaintop, one of the things he says is this: "I don't want to die, but if I die, I'll be able to see you on the other side." Now, I'll, I'll correct that. I'll see you if you know Jesus. If you don't know Jesus today, I won't see you on the other side. You're going to be in a place I'm not even going to be aware of. I'll be with Jesus. You're going to be somewhere else. But if you know him, oh, I don't need to be afraid of death. Oh, when my mama dies, I, I, I'm going to miss. I'm going to grieve. But I ain't going to act like somebody ain't got no hope. I ain't going to be shouting, crying, pulling the casket, throwing it on the ground. I ain't going to be doing all that. So you don't know what you're going to do. Yes, I do. You know how I know? Because my Bible tells me that my mother trusted Christ. She is one of the old soldiers of the cross. And when I have her here and I'm giving her eulogy and I'm going to put her in the ground, I realize that for me, I ain't talking about y'all. Y'all do what y'all do. But for me, I'm not burying my mother. I'm just burying her body. Because who she is, she's already with Jesus. And I know that when I die, I got a mama and a daddy and some other people that I will most definitely know and see on the other side. Paul says, we don't grieve as those that have no hope. My hope is in Jesus. Her hope is in Jesus. He's already solidified it. He's already guaranteed. He is the guarantor of my faith. And because he's the guarantor of my faith and my mother's faith, I will know her on the other side. Amen. Oh, I'll grieve because of the lack of being able to go up and cook her breakfast every morning. I'll miss her because she's in her little crazy little ways she's got going on. She's got this habit where she likes to pat me on the behind. I go, what are you doing? <laughs> I'm standing there. And she goes by and goes poof. So I go poof back to her. What are you doing? You're not supposed to hit your mother. I said, I don't want you doing. do What are you doing? <laughs> Amen? I'll miss all that. Although now I don't want her to think I miss it. Don't, don't, tell, don't tell her I miss it. I'll miss it. But, you know. Amen? It's about being changed inside out. And knowing your Bible well enough, knowing in a relationship to Christ, well enough that you don't let all these things bother you as they should. As they do sometimes. I'm sorry. As they do sometimes. I get it. We got to probably figure out something to do with my mom's furnace. It is what it is. Do what you got to do. You got to do it. Especially with my She's, her house. is. She's got the warmest house. If you ever get cold, <laughs> she got the warmest house in Clinton County. I'm sweating down. But when I go to her house, I'm sweating more. 77 to 78. And I I just, I say, Mom, she's like, what's wrong? And she said, I'm cold. I go, I'm sweating. So, you know, now she's definitely cold because her house, the furnaces isn't working. So you pray for us. But what I'm saying, if you want to get warm, go see her sometime. Brother, how are you? Cold? you Want to get warmed up? Sister, so say, Sister Miguel, how am I to see you? She like that. Then you'd be like, oh, I see what Pastor says. He's warm. Things happen. First is down. My daughter's car just died. 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 I get a new car. Yeah, dude. Well, oh, I ain't I well on that. I'm dwelling on the goodness of God. God. God is good. God is faithful. You can trust. I saw Dr. White. I saw Dr. White Thursday. I was up on Cedarville campus, a part of a, on a board up there, and he was there, and Dr. Jason was there, and he asked how we were doing and what was going on, and I told Dr. White, I said, you know what? That message you preach on God is faithful. You can trust him. It's been in my church ever since you preached that. In fact, I'm getting ready to make some changes, and so we're going to change some of the wording on the walls and stuff. I'm really seriously thinking about putting that up there just because it's so much a, it's so much a part of who our character of our church and then Dr. Jason, his son was not there, but his son goes to high school. He said, well, son, I got to go to a meeting this morning. Some of the pastors are coming in to talk, and I got to talk to them about some stuff. And his son said, he said, well, you probably don't know anybody there. But he said, you know a couple guys. You know this guy. Hey, you, Pastor, McGee, Pastor McGee's going to be there? Oh, ask him when we're going to come back down. I like going to that church. I said, don't worry. We're going to to have you come in and speak to us think my people like you, and you like us, so, hey, good people are hard to find. That's what it's about. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, be new. Amen? Our old life of slavery, to self, and the sin has gone. We need to know what Paul says in, in not only 2 Corinthians 5.16, but also what he talks about in Romans 6.4. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in what? The newness of life. There it is. Newness of life. It's a new life. It's a new day. I don't see things as I should, as I used to. I see things as God sees them. Amen? We have to realize that what God wants to do is change our world and life view. i close with this. Back in 1978, after graduating from high school, yeah, 70, 76, I graduated, I became familiar with Cedarville College at the time, now Cedarville University. So I put in my application and they accepted me coming there. And first day I get there, I had to take a class on foundations, biblical foundations. And the professor comes in and I understand, most of the kids at Cedarville College and university, now university, is that from birth, to and through college, they've had the Christian experience in every aspect. Their mother was saved. Their father was saved. They went to kindergarten, Christian, preschool, whatever, elementary, high school, all churches, they, they've been exposed way more. I came from a good church. I had a good pastor. My pastor was fundamentally sound, preached the Bible, taught the Bible. I knew, the, I, knew, the, I, knew I had a good pastor, and I knew the word. But not to the degree that some of these kids, because they've had it their whole entire life. There was never a part of their life they didn't have it. So I'm standing, i come in, I'm sitting in this class, and the professor starts talking, and he says, you, what we're going to do with you is we're going through this this quarter, we were on quarters then, this quarter, we're going to talk about your Weltanschauung. What? Your Weltanschauung. And I'm like, what's Weltanschauung? I don't want to see me, what is it? He says, "For those of you who don't know what Velton is, your world life view. We're gonna we're gonna talk about your world and life view, how you approach life, and then as a Christian, because supposedly, and that's not true, not everybody that was there was saved, but the presumption was that everybody that's at a Christian college is supposed to be saved. Not everybody is, but that's the presumption." He says, "We're gonna change. We want you to know that this book should shape every aspect of your life." This book is what you use to develop your world and life. Why you do what you do should come from this book. Amen? Everything. Who are you going to marry? Why are you marrying? Well, you need to know biblically what God says. Before you go out and get a job or go out and everything, everything comes through the filter of God, God's will, God's pleasure. God's. It comes through this. Well, that was revolutionary to me. I mean, I sort of quasi knew that, but I never heard it put like that. I'm like, wow, everything we do comes through the filter of God's Word. I don't go out and buy a new car just because I need a new car without asking God, God, open, provide, give me wisdom, lead and guide me to the right, to the right car lot, to the right sales. You know, work this. You work this thing, you know, and maybe I don't get a brand-new 2019, 2020, Maybe I get a 2017 or 2018 or 2016 because if I go out and buy a new car, it's going to cost me more money and it's going to take away what I can do for God. I'm going to buy this great big house, can't really afford it, but it looks nice. It makes, me, it makes everybody think I have money, but in actuality, I can't really afford it, and therefore, it's going to take away from God. I'm going to take a job that may take me away from doing the things that God wants me to do. Well, no, i got to pray about this. And if, it, if it's meant to be, God, you work this out. You help me to be able to stay on track with you, to do what I need to do, and yet give me this promotion. If it don't work, evidently it's not your will. And help me to be happy. We don't approach life like that. We just we, we react and we do. And what Paul says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's new. That's what he's talking about. Every single facet of your life comes through this book. How is it going to impact you personally and spiritually? And how is it going to impact the kingdom of God and what you are doing or not? It's all about being regenerated, being born, born again, having a whole different mindset on what you're doing. You think like Christ. That's why he says, in Christ. Amen? There's a whole lot to that. I mean this isn't a mean when I was reading this and studying and looking at it, I'm like, we don't think like this anymore. We for some is a whole new revelation. Are you serious, Pastor? I need a furnace. Well just don't go out and buy a furnace from any old Joe. Say, Lord, help me to make the who do I and they, I know they sell it, I know they sell it. Get different people to come and say, What what do I need? Do I need a new one or can you fix the old one? If you can't fix it, then, you know, do 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 your do your due diligence. And guess what? God will open up the door. Amen? I had a guy. There's a guy. I told this guy. I had a guy, a little handy guy. could fix anything. So I told him, we need people like you. So I need a new hot water tank. And I knew a couple people in town that were plumbers. But one guy, well, I, I, didn't really, I wasn't going to call because he's too daggone expensive. I'm like, oh, I can't afford to pay that kind of money. I mean, I, like I told him, I said, I want to pay you right. Unlike some people, if you can get by something for nothing, we will do that. We wouldn't do it if it was us. If we were hired by someone, we want to get paid. But if, but if somebody, oh, well, dude, if you do it, it costs $100, but you'll do it for $25. you will do it for 25 Oh, I'll give you 25 I ain't gonna blink at that. It's all about me saving my money. No, the man's got a profession. The man's trying to make money. I'm like, I don't wanna pay $800 or $500, but I'm, I, I don't mind giving you because you're saving me. And that's what he did. He came by, I had a problem. He says, I'm just gonna charge, I, I got here's what you need. We go out, buy it, and it'll cost you X amount of dollars. Well, it was way under what I knew a lot of other people were gonna charge us. I said, well, thank you. Well, God fixed a couple things. He's done a couple things here at the church. I'm like, listen. He said, I probably undersell myself. I said, you do. That's why I'm going to give you this much. Because it's not that much. I said, dude, I appreciate what you do. Because if I had somebody else come here, they would charge me three or $400, $500 more than what you're asking for. And I know somebody that will pass. If they don't do it for that, just let them do it. No, you want to treat people right. You would do it if it was you. I know you. No, I ain't gonna do it for that. He said, "Oh, I appreciate that." I said, no, man, I uh, you, you're trying to make some money. I'm trying to save some money. If we can come to a compromise, and we, I save, and you, I'm good. God, that's what God says to us. He says, "Listen, I am the best that there is to offer. You'll never be cheated by God." His word, his law is not so grievous that we can't do it. He's not going to give you the cheap. You don't get the very best from God. My challenge and your challenge is to give God our best. Amen? Father, thank you for your word.